0: This week on dig me out will
1: With your hosts,
0: Jason Diaz and Tim Minnichi.
2: Jay, this week we're back with another one of our roundtables. This is a one-off, Jay. It's not part of any of our series. It is a one-and-done side projects of the 1990s. Are you excited? I am,
1: but it's always possible we could do a part two. We'll see how this goes.
2: We'll see. I mean, if we you know, do a terrible job of listing the number of <laughs> side projects. Uh, we're also going to, you know, get into the difference. I think this is important between a side yeah. project and a super group and even solo records, because I feel like those are distinct things that we need to figure out where the line is, where we draw the line on all that kind of stuff. So to help us do so, we have a couple of guests one new one returning. I'm going to start with our new guest from Chicago, Illinois. He was supposed to join us on the Tori Amos episode, and then he he took ill and was not able to join us. So we said, uh, come on back. And and this was the episode he wanted to do. Uh, Jim Liza- Lizkowski, did I get that right? I mess that up. I it's, it's okay, it's tradition. It's tradition. I almost shut up my drink. Yeah, it's tradition that I mess up. <laughs> All names. Welcome I understand ch- that
0: this is this is my fault for being Polish.
2: All right, you know? Well,
0: it's okay. I grew
2: up. Uh, I grew up with a lot of mispronounced.
1: Yeah. You, uh, you grew names. up in Buffalo and Cleveland. You you should be able to get these Polish names. Come on,
2: I should. Sometimes the the emphasis is just it just throws me <laughs> when I start to see all the all the consonants butted up against each other. <laughs> they just. We love to just
1: throw Z's in there.
2: Yes. Which is an underutilized letter, and I appreciate that it did get randomly thrown into people's names. Uh, So, Jim, welcome.
0: Well, it is a tremendous honor to be on one of my favorite podcasts, music or otherwise. Uh, I mean, I know you've had recurring guest Jim Hankey on a number of times. Yes. Uh, And he hosts the Excellent Final Emergency podcast, and I... I was the one who encouraged him. I was like, "Dude, I'm hearing you on Chicago radio, and you've got to have your own show because you know what you're talking about." And then, of course, I started listening to Dig Me Out on a regular basis. I'm like, "Well, these guys <laughs> really know what they're talking about too." And uh, so, to nerd out over music is something I enjoy doing on a regular basis. Being a musician and a music
2: teacher, so awesome! Uh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks. Uh, where cool. do you, Where do you? What uh, level do you teach at?
0: Well, I teach at a uh, private school based out of uh, Evanston, Illinois called Fusion Academy. And it's like okay. I, I basically teach anywhere from, you know, sixth grade to 12th. And gotcha. whatever genre they want to do, I'm willing to do it, even if it's a uh, dubstep and EDM. <laughs> <laughs>
2: do, you, okay. do you have particular instruments that you focus on or?
0: Well, I mean, I mean the usual I mean, you, you, guitar, bass and drums and, okay. uh, you know, I, I just mainly focus on, like, uh, the recording side of things and, like, Logic and Pro Tools and stuff oh, like that.
2: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then, of course, that voice you heard, Joe Royland from the uh, – is there a part is, – is Gorham <laughs> – is there a name for that? Like, Michigan has the UP, the Upper Peninsula. Is there a, a, a uh, term for that up there?
3: They would either call it Greater Portland or Southern Maine. So.
2: Gotcha, okay. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you.
3: Great to be back as always.
2: And this week guys, this is a this is one where we got to figure out what we're talking about before we even start talking about it. We're talking about side projects, but when I looked up information to sort of tally my side pro, side project list, I got all sorts of conflicting info. In fact, people on our Facebook page were like, "What's is this a super group or what?" <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, we're going to have to sit down and and hash this out logically. So I'm going to go around the virtual room here, and we'll first figure out what a supergroup is, and then we'll get to some of our Patreon comments, because they uh, talked about supergroups versus side projects, and they gave us some side project names that, you know, we can riff on a little bit. Um, But first of all, let me throw it out to, um, to the room here. I'll start with you, Jim. What Certainly. do you is a side project?
0: well, um I mean, I would definitely say that it has to be a separate entity from the band that uh, they originally are known for. Um, I mean, the music, I think itself should be kind of distinctive or at least uh, you know justify why the artists decide to take on a separate moniker or just take on a separate endeavor altogether. Um, I mean, it just, it, it needs to branch out to some degree from, from, from the original, from the source, I guess. And I mean, I think of something like um, James Eha, again, though he's, he went and did a solo record, but at the same time, I think the reason why he felt compelled to put out a solo record in of itself was just because he wanted to uh, put out something that sounded nothing like The Smash of Pumpkins, Right, And I, I think of that as kind of like, you know, a, a good reasoning behind a side project in general. Um, but I think one of the more interesting crossovers that I'm sure would come up on this show is uh, is The Twilight Singers, because, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like uh, Greg Dooley, you know, was in The Afghan Wigs and then they broke up, but then he just started The Twilight Singers. And to me, that one one of the first bands I knew about that a lot of people considered to be a side project at the time was the Twilight Singers because I think it was up in the air at the time as to like well are the Afghan wigs broken up but to me like the Twilight Singers by by an album like Powder Burns kind of sounded a lot like the Afghan wigs rather than being distinctive and to me I think being distinctive is kind of a criteria for for putting out a side project record of sorts.
2: piggyback on that does a side project have to be happening concurrent with the band that
1: the person
2: mm. Mm. is in
1: yeah I'm yeah sorry. i was gonna bring that up that the main band has to still be active otherwise it's your main project then right
2: right so let me get let me throw out this example for you stone temple pilots
1: yep yeah. they
2: the three members not named scott Myland, <clears throat> form talk show while Scott Wyland goes and does a solo album, all indications were they were like on hiatus at that point because Wyland had, you know, gone to rehab and what have you. So is that a side project or is that just a new band?
3: Well, Tim also in there, Scott Wyland also formed a side band called Magnificent Bastards.
0: Right. That oh, that's did, right. Uh, <laughs>
3: They did uh, one song for Tank Girl, which was Mockingbird Girl, and then they also did a John John Lennon cover on the Working Class Hero thing, but they never did a full album.
2: Right. So here's one of the the things (laughs) I think is necessary. I think you have to actually make an album. Because if you just throw in, like, random songs that people do together, like, there are a lot of soundtracks where, like, hey, let's get so-and-so and and -and so-and-so and let's have them do a song together. Like, Class of 99, that group for, like, Uh, the, the faculty soundtrack, which was like, you know, Lane Staley and, and a couple other, I think Tom Morello was in that band and they did like one song together and it was for a soundtrack and that was it. And that was it. So I don't know if we really classify that as a full side project. Uh, if it never really produced anything besides, you know, one track, I feel like you got to, at minimum, you got to put out a record to document that this thing existed at some point. And then he ended up using that song on his solo uh, album anyway, Re- re-recording right. it. It's slightly different from what The Magnificent Bastard... I actually like the-, the Tank Girl version better than Me uh, too. Than his version.
1: I want to back up to a, a little wrinkle that Jim brought in I hadn't thought of, too. Which, okay. Um, so th- I- I've been looking for, like groups so a side project could be solo right i hadn't thought of that i so the james hea example there might be tons of those that i hadn't even thought to look at that's true consider
2: i think it has to i think what he said though that it has to be distinctive and different from what the main band is is key there because like yeah you could include James E. Ha, because that is like a 70s soft rock album compared to what the, the Pumpkins do. But okay. I don't think you could take like Thurston Moore's solo album because it essentially sounds like Sonic Youth.
1: It's mm, just right. Well, hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> Was Sonic Youth still together? technically oh, yeah. At the time. Yeah. OK, then that's a yeah. side project.
2: Well, why? Why is it a side project?
1: Because <laughs> it's not Sonic Youth.
2: Well, are all side. But it sounds like Sonic Youth.
1: That's fine, but it's not called Sonic Youth. I
2: feel like you need to you you need to express express something differently that you couldn't do in the band.
1: Well, he may have tried, it, you know, it just didn't come out that way.
2: Okay. Well, here's well, the
1: thing: you're opening
2: a can of worms
1: here.
3: Yeah, sure. Are. Yeah, here's really going down the rabbit hole. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, Temple of the Dog. Yeah. Now, now we would look at that as a supergroup, but at the yeah. time it happened. It was kind of a side project, but mm-hmm. also kind of not because, like, Mother Love Bone broken up after Andrew Wood's dead. Soundgarden's mm-hmm. still going on. So it's a side project for Chris Cornell and Matt Cameron. But as far as like Jeff Momnet and Stone Gossard, it's not really a side project. They're, it's just like a one off thing. And then, you know, you have Mike McCready as part of that. And then you have Eddie Vedder comes in and sings on a couple of songs. But then, that forms the basis for Pearl Jam. And then after Pearl Jam gets gone, then you kind of look back and you think of Temple of the Dog as like a super group. Yeah. So it's like, wh-
2: right. I don't know, think it is It's all timing, you know, it is because that album came out before Pearl Jam released their album. True. So I think at the time, and I think if you have to look at it in terms of time frame, that's a side project for, for Chris Cornell and Matt Cameron, essentially, because nobody else that was in that band from pearl jam was known at that point mm-hmm. right so that's how i would dis- distinguish that one so here's another aspect of it um i feel like a side project really only contains one or two members of one band and it has to be a well-known band so like take the temple of the dog example chris cornell is known because he's the lead singer He's a front man. Everybody knows him. I don't think people who are like watching a, you know, the the video for Hunger Strike are looking at Matt Cameron and going, Oh, that's clearly Matt Cameron. Like Matt Cameron's the drummer. He's not as well known. This isn't this isn't super unknown era bad uh, you know sound garden. This is still bad motor finger. So they're a little lesser less known.
0: Right. So True. you can tell you can tell by Chris Cornell's hair.
2: Right. At that point. Yeah. So <laughs> to to apply that to another side project which would be brad you have stone <laughs> gossard which is you're two years into pearl jam okay pearl jam is huge this is stone gossard's side project when when the album shame comes out sean smith was in satchel and pigeonhead at this point but neither of those bands made a dent on a, on a large scale so i don't think you can call it a super group because although sean smith had a major label deal and you know was putting out records they're not they're not big enough for it to be a quote-unquote supergroup. Um, it's just a side project for Stone Gossard is the way I look at that. Is that right. acceptable?
0: Yeah, I, th- I would, I would yeah. agree with that.
2: Okay. Yeah. So then taking that down the decade, I look at the Twilight Singers. Because they started when the Afghan wigs were still together as a side project for Greg Dooley. Because mm-hmm. neither Harold Chichester of Holland Maggie or Sean Smith were well-known enough. Now, in Ohio, <laughs> where Holland Maggie was well-known because and, and RC Mob that he, he was in before, that might be considered a supergroup. But in the rest of the world, that's not a supergroup. And I, honestly, I don't even know if it's a side project for Greg Dooley because he's not even really well-known enough. I mean he had, you know, a good career in the nineties, but it's not Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam and it's not Chris Cornell. True, true. So it's really just another band to to most people. But that sort of then you get into like, is it a underground supergroup? I don't know. Oh. Right.
3: <laughs> well like here's another here's another good example of that, and it's a band you guys covered, the Grays.
1: You yeah. got Jason
3: Faulkner, who was in Three O'Clock or Hot Minute. Then he, he was in Jellyfish, but he would left Jellyfish at this point, and he hadn't really started his solo career. Uh, but you also got John Bryan, uh, Brian, who uh, also was sort of on the second Jellyfish album. But you know, no, again, it's kind of that depending on what audience you're talking to. Like to you know, power pop bands, they knew who all these people are, but to everybody else, these people are relatively unknown still. Right. And right. is this a side project? Is this a super group? You know, it could fall under either thing,
2: possibly.
0: It's a real gray area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, all right. S- so we're gonna have to stumble through this probably with different definitions then. I, I think so
2: because you know, along the signs, of, uh, along the uh, with the grays, it made me think of. You know, a whole bunch of other bands where you have like people who are, you know, an example would be like Imperial Teen, which is Roddy Bottom from, you know, not that he's not Mike Patton. So, you know, he's not as recognizable. So is that a super group? Is that a side project for Roddy Bottom? Where does that fall?
1: Well, now you're making me think of Mr. Bungle.
2: Yeah, yeah, you could do a whole or, show on
0: Mike Patton.
1: Yeah, you got <laughs> Lovage. Yeah.
3: Lovage is another one. You know, there's so many. And how? Oh, what? I can't even remember all of them. There's so many of them.
2: Tomahawk. 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 So, we've tried to like sort of give some boundaries. We'll we'll have to you know pick and you know choose a, along the way as we're going through some of these bands. What do you makes a side project successful? in in terms of their musical output uh we don't we're not worried about album sales at this point but just when you're listening to a record are you do you want it to sound different than its main than the, the, you know the main band of the of the artist or are you looking for something different like what do you of and you can give an example of like hey this one was really successful for me i'll start with you joe what can you give me an example of a side project that you thought was successful that sort of set a pattern or, or a template
3: Jeez, it's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, some of it's I wanted it to sound something like the original band or, you know, at least as good as the original band. Uh, but also, like, that it can stand on its own. Like, I like the talk show album. I thought that was pretty good because I'm a Stone Temple Pilots fan. Or, and here go here we go again, uh, Imperial Drag. Is is it a side project? Is it a super group? I mean, it's kind of after Jellyfish, but it's two members yeah. from Jellyfish. Uh, and, right. Then you also had Roger Manning who went on and did Moo Cookbook. All of those things I enjoyed. So for me, it's like success is, do I enjoy it as much as the band that these people came from? To me, that's success. Not necessarily if all the rest of the public enjoys it and it takes off and becomes like a million seller or not, is do I enjoy it as much as the music from the band, the the bands these people came from?
0: Yeah, I would, definitely, I would definitely agree with that in general, too. It's just... I mean, it could it could certainly have elements or sound similar to what they came from. and that's definitely true with the talk show record. Um, and yet at the same time still be still be its own thing and and not necessarily like be an exact copycat either. And I mean, I, I remember at the time, I mean this 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 is obviously very different, but I remember when people were going crazy about the, the first Foo Fighters record because it sounded nothing like Nirvana, but it was still, it still had that Nirvana flavor to it a little bit, at least the first record did. And I mean, just, you know, I think that because we'd lost Nirvana, there was just like this instinct to go, oh, I, I, I'm going to love this record just because one of the founding members of the band, or at least one of the members of the band, the drummer, put it out. But then I, I kind of go to, one of my choices would be uh, Sebado And I... I, I do I do like them just a little bit more than Dinosaur Jr. That might be a you know a bold Whoa. statement.
1: Oh I, I know I know. Whoa, uh, wait uh, a minute.
0: Maybe maybe you'll just I, a hair and get <laughs> getting loose with the pussy
3: galore a cracking jokes like a thirsty more
2: pedal hopping like a dive.
3: I mean, rock. I'll even add bulk
0: potion into that Yeah, exactly yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, totally That that one part lullaby record's pretty pretty. Oh, I love that album Yeah, for sure, so I mean I, And again, it's, you know, mainly Lou Barlow show, of course But I, I think that, you know 70 at least brought Some elements of Dinosaur Jr., not necessarily Jay guitar playing but um at least some of the energy of that band to his his project i mean again i kind of discovered Subado late 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 in the late in the game because uh i i had heard harmacy and then sort of went backwards uh with with them but i i think to this day
2: many of their songs i still put on a lot of mixes and playlists jay what about you? you what are some of the things that make it successful for you
1: Well, you go in expecting that it's going to either sound like um, sound enough like the band that's the anchor that it's going to make sense out of the gate. I think when you get into the super group slash side band, um, it's it's kind of nice when in your head you hear how all those bands can come together and then the record actually sounds like that. So, Golden Smog is a good example for me. Like. Throughout that first record, you can hear all the different bands Um, Temple the dogs a little bit like that too. You can hear the different bands Um, in fact a lot of them that We've talked about I'm struggling to find one where it doesn't sound anything Like the band that you're known for maybe the Rockford's just listening to that recently It doesn't really sound anything like Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. Um, But most of them like you can kind of hear the roots of the band which is good but from a quality standpoint it, you just you know from a song quality standpoint it has to stand up you know sometimes side projects you have a tendency maybe you're not spending as much time on the material because it's either rushed or it's in between something so you maybe get some inconsistent material so you, you really want it to be as highly crafted and considered as you know the the person's main band's work
2: let's talk about patreon and the comments that were made over there which we need to thank our two new patrons who joined us joshua mcdowell and roger whose name last name i did not get but thank you roger for both uh both roger and josh for for joining us they'll be commenting on uh episodes and uh, sharing their thoughts like on this one so let's go through some of these and we can talk about some of the stuff that uh People brought up that maybe we haven't brought up just yet. So I, I list. I had a uh, picture up that listed uh, a number of bands, some that we've mentioned so far, some that we haven't. So people chimed in, and uh, Scott Halbrems said, "Don't forget Tuatara." There have been a few times over the years where you've said things like, "No band fits this bill," and I think, "Well, Tuatara does." Anybody familiar with Tuatara? Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't know, actually. Me either. So, Tuatara is Peter Buck of R.E.M. Mm.
3: Okay, yeah, now I know who it is.
2: Okay, Barrett Martin of the Screaming Trees, Justin Harwood of Luna, and The Chills, um, Screek of Critter's Buggin', and it's an all-instrumental band. Huh. And it started, I guess they got together because somebody, uh, they wanted to, write music, like instrumental music for a movie. And then it just turned into a band. Um, And so this, and then also there's been other people in the band, including Scott McCaughey, who's in the minus five, which is another Peter Buck side side project.
1: Um,
2: Yep. So they're like a world music, like uh, there's sometimes like 11 people in the band on stage when they're, when they play together. So very like different from any of the bands that any of those people playing hmm. uh, so that was scott holgram's uh mention so davy bright said i remember some of the heavier bands of the 90s shifting their sound around a bit take lou from sick of it all and shane from napalm death and their side project uh which was called oh it was called blood in the soul and they had an album that." That came out in 1993 called To Spite the Gland That Breeds. So I guess it was an industrial metal album. And he also mentioned is that it had hardcore style vocals, drum machines, and guitars. And then also Mitch from Nate Palm Death and Don and Trevor of Obituary formed a band. And I believe that was called Meat Hook Seed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> their album came out in um, 1993 called Embedded, and then they put another album out in 1999 called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth or Bible, uh, and again, you know, heavier bands or heavier bands from both of those, but was more like he said he describes it drum machines with shouty vocals and heavy guitars, um, hugely inspired by Godflesh, and then that year. Which was also brought up by another commenter uh, Alex Newport Of Fudge Tunnel And Max from Sepultura Formed a band And that was called Nailbomb They only recorded one album In the 90's now, Ian Wobble also mentioned that band Anybody familiar with Nailbomb?
1: Uh, it sounds familiar Yeah it yeah, sounds
2: familiar, familiar But I don't know what. Jay, here's a question for you. Yeah. Are the helicopters a side
1: project? <laughs> it started that way. It certainly didn't quickly turn into a main project. So that was um, Nikki Royale was
2: in Entombed, right? He was the drummer. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I have a sense that that happened a lot more there. Maybe bands just kind of people just getting together and playing and recording and Hydramatics is another example Yeah. of a, uh, Uh, A band like that.
2: The great Scott Morgan from Detroit on the vocals for that. Uh, Patrick Testa mentioned three bands that we should discuss. Number one, Boss Hog. Anybody remember Boss Hog? Yeah, no, I'm
0: definitely a fan. I kind of went down a, a John Spencer rabbit hole after seeing Baby Driver. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just that that opening, I was like, "Oh my god!" I forgot how much I loved John Spencer Blues Explosion. It just, and it had been a while, and I checked out uh, the Boss Hog record and uh, Pussy Galore. And I was just like, "This is this is really good." Yeah, that's a good example of a, of a side project for, for sure.
2: The second one you mentioned, Replicants.
3: Yep, they're on my list too. Same.
2: So was that a full band or was that just a group of guys who got together to record a bunch of covers?
3: <laughs> they, they had an album on a major label
2: yeah i guess true? so yeah and that was um but but
3: again is it are you going to call it a super group, super group or band? is it a side project because you got the guy you got like um ken andrews from failure you got uh paul d Moore from tool so which is it you know you got a couple of famous people from other famous well, bands but but are they hugely famous at no. that point if, it, if it had
2: been like maynard from Tool, right. What? What? Maybe. And he just
3: guested on like a track.
2: Yeah, he so. wasn't a full member. If he
3: had been a full <laughs> member, there'd be a different story.
2: And then another one Patrick brought up is a band called Sausage, which I was not familiar with Sausage. It turns out is a side project of Les Claypool from oh. Primus. Oh, yeah. But oh. it also features the guitar player from Primus. So... I'm not sure how much of a side project it is if it's two thirds of the band that you're already in. Uh, I guess it's just with a different drummer for an album, but he does a lot of projects outside of Primus. I I feel like maybe Primus isn't even <laughs> the main band at this point with Les Claypool. He doesn't he just go by like Les Claypool and the Something Something now. Yeah, you know, pretty, pretty much. Yeah.
1: Was uh we didn't talk about a perfect circle? You're making me think of that. Well, they're two
2: thousands, so I did 2000s, not include them. Yeah. Uh,
1: years Wait, active says ninety nine. At least first record started in ninety
3: nine, but the first album came out in two thousand. Yeah.
1: Okay. But, uh, <laughs> here, here's one.
3: Here's one I'll be surprised if it isn't on Jim's list. How about uh the Revolting Cox?
2: Oh, oh yeah, God. no, definitely. Ah, uh, Josh that's Ballard something. brought that one up. Mm. He said they even got into Beavis and Butthead without the name being censored. (laughs) Right. And he also said, speaking of Beavis and Butthead, got to mention Infectious Grooves. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. I saw them live twice, unintentionally, (laughs) in the 90s. (laughs) What, you just walked
2: into a room and they were playing? No, (laughs) like they opened for
1: Ozzy once. They they were just one of those bands, I think, because they were friends with a lot of bands in L.A. that they would just... Find themselves getting pretty pretty good opening slots.
2: So, who was in Infectious Grooves? Remind me.
1: It's Mike Uh, Murr from Suicidal Tendencies. Robert Trujillo, who went on to be in uh, Metallica, Metallica, and then and Ozzy Ozzy
2: Osbourne's band.
1: Yep, and Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction was. So, is
2: that a supergroup? According
0: to Wikipedia, it's a (laughs) funk metal supergroup.
1: Well, Robert Trujillo was also in Suicidal Tendencies, so it was kind of. Half of them and half two other guys. So,
2: I mean, because you know, Stephen Perkins is in Jane's Addiction. That's a huge band.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't and know. they were. That's they, on they, edge. Mean, they started in um, '91 too, so this is pretty big time. And were still
2: together for, at that point.
1: Yep.
2: So. But what, I think
3: the album didn't come out until like '93. Mm. sorry I mean, at least the uh, the major one, Sarcipius Arc. I think that was '93.
2: We need a, we, I need a judge to like do some rulings on. Yeah, and,
3: then, and, and speak, speaking of Jane's, then you got pornos for Pyro. Is that a side well? Project? But Jane's was over, right? Yeah. yeah, technically. But Jane's then they yeah. they did reunite and get back together. So you never, you know, <laughs> what 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 about in cases like that where it's like a band, like maybe they were done, maybe they were just on hiatus. What are you going to call it then? You know, is it a whole, you know, like uh, love spit love? Technically, the psychedelic furs were on uh, hiatus, but they never broke up. You know, so uh, is that a side project? Is it,
1: you know? Ooh, that's... uh, uh, In some ways, like, Infectious Grooves is a good example, maybe of a pure one, because even though the record came out in 93, they spent a couple years playing then. I'm assuming they must have been, like, an L.A. band that got together when everybody was off tour and just did fun, like, party gigs and stuff which makes it more like a real band. Um,
0: yeah. It just seems like every musician, every band gets restless at one point, maybe with their own band or they're on a hiatus or they have a reason to, you know, get together in a studio maybe for just one, one off or whatever. I mean, just everybody collaborates with everybody. I mean, it's, it should just be called incestuous groups at this point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Scott Witt over at Patreon said, "Hater was one that I had high hopes for, was but was disappointed." Yeah. yeah. Can I count Pride and Glory? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. That is, of course, the Zach Wild side project away from Black Label Society. Before Black before,
1: Label yeah. Society, yeah, that oh, okay. was his first. Oh, yeah. That was his first band before after Ozzy.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, and, and no, he was
1: still yeah, in
3: yeah. Ozzy. He was still yeah. playing with Ozzy when he did Pride so he was, Roy, so and and Black band Label and... Society too.
2: Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely a side project. He says, if so, that ruled.
1: Yeah, that's um, a pretty good record.
2: He also said, Down was fabulous too. Yeah. Is Down a supergroup yep. or is it a side project? Now, a that's a group group tough call too. can go on at the same time as your main band. I just feel like if it's like recognizable members of multiple bands, it's a super group. So you got Pepper Keenan and. What's his face from Pantera? Like Phil right? and Selma.
3: Phil Yeah, him.
2: Phil and Selma. So that's kind of the key members of those two bands.
1: True. So I feel to like me, if, if if Pantera was still together, which I think they were at the time, to me yeah. it's a side prop. Yeah, they
2: yeah. were. Yeah. Well can okay. <laughs> in the in the Venn diagram of yeah. side project and supergroup, can a side project be a supergroup?
1: Oh yeah. Wait, sure yeah. yeah
2: well what about let, let's go all the way back to like 1990
3: the hindu love gods you got rem with warren Zevon. on i mean is that yeah you know, what do we call that You
2: know,
3: mm. Mm. two well-known entities but it doesn't really sound like
2: rem and you know, it's just from, getting muddier and muddier yeah yeah i'm not kidding
1: uh, here's one that's gonna blow your minds yeah cover Coverdale Page.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, when did that come out?
0: Ninety-three. Uh, Ninety-three. Yeah, oh, I my. totally remember that. Yeah.
2: Well, Jimmy Page was not in Led Zeppelin at that point, right? Or the Therm. So, I
3: mean, yeah. yeah. Yep. And
1: so I don't know. The White Snake was very active. I don't know if they officially broke up, but they
3: uh still together but they were pretty much like their albums weren't really coming out in the states they were only coming Uh, out like in japan and overseas
2: yeah now scott witt also mentioned a band called Brugeria, which was members of faith no more fear factory and jello biafra wow he said they had lots of fun and What? what were you saying jim Oh, I just say, I need to hear that.
0: That sounds interesting, yeah.
2: He said lots of fun. And the fact that they had people convinced that they were a Mexican drug cartel was nice, okay. that's interesting. i've not I've not heard of that. that sounds like a super group to me, but I guess also could be a side project. One of the uh, the bands that I think we definitely need to talk about, which Johnny Hooper mentioned, is the Breeders. Woo-hoo! Yes. He said, if you want to get technical, the breeders were a side project of both the pixies and Fro- throwing muses. Mm. Yep. Um, and then, uh, he, this is where I had to, I had to throw down the law here. He said, I'm going to be controversial here and say tin machine. I never owned a Bowie record, but I had both of those tin machine LPs. Really love the energy of the first record. Unfortunately, that first record came out in 1989. But he's not dig me out eligible. <coughs>
1: And I felt like I could be wrong here, and we just talked about Tim Machine a couple weeks ago. I didn't. I mean, Bowie seemed to really like be very. I don't know. I'm just going by memory. Uh, pretty clear that that was his band. No, did he treat it like a side project?
2: No, I I feel like from what those when those two records came out, that was where, that was his band. Like he was in yeah. that band. So yeah,
0: and no, I remember I remember him uh, performing on Saturday Night Live and everything. And that he was didn't. It's kind of a big deal.
2: He didn't put out a solo record during that period, right? Like the
1: the I don't think so, but I have to go check. I, just, I, I, I definitely remember him like taking it very seriously. Like it wasn't just a one-off kind of thing.
2: Right. Uh he said uh that we uh did not like Hater, but that he loved that record. He also huh. really enjoyed The Well Water Conspiracy, which was Another side project in that same realm, uh, which I believe that band was also Ben Shepard, who was in Hater, with some other folks. They put out one album in the 90s and then one album in 2005. They finally followed it up. And then Keith Sawyer said, The Rentals, anyone? Oh, that, yes. Yeah. That's, That's a good one. That's yeah. a really good one because that came out between the first and second Weezer records. So clearly True. a side project. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly only one known member of that band uh, was Matt Sharp. Uh, the other members of the band were not well-known. They would become well-known in the sense that Maya Rudolph was in that band as a backup singer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple that, did not get mentioned that I want to throw out there, and we can discuss whether or not they're, they're side projects or not. Slashes, Snake Pit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Was, was Guns N' Roses still together? Again, he was Eric,
1: technically still in Guns, I think, until really late in the 90s, technically. Yeah,
3: and yeah, Eric, Do- Eric Dover was the singer who was in Jellyfish and Imperial Drag.
1: Yeah, Right.
2: So I guess that counts as a side project. Yeah. Yeah uh so here's a question I, I mentioned earlier that sean smith is is kind of not well known in, in terms of mainstream with his work with uh pigeonhead and and uh satchel steve fisk was i don't want to say well known but he had a, a important producing career so is but he also was a solo artist is pigeonhead a side project for Steve Fisk. Is
1: I always thought project? of that as his band, like his main band or musical outlet.
2: Mm. Mm. Okay. Cause he does have stuff that he released just under his own name. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to ask him next time we have him on. Uh, here's a couple more. The amps that was a side project derived from a side project. Yep, yep. The, yeah, it's yep. an inception of side projects, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> isn't it? Kind of like the Sebado into full implosion. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I like that. I like when we have two tier side projects. That's that's an that's a interesting descent there. One that we didn't mention: three fish. Anybody Jeff remember Arment. three fish? Yeah, yeah Jeff Oment yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember re- that, that. Now that goes under the example of you heard about it. Because it was like on MTV or or in some magazine like Rolling Stone, like Jeff Men has a solo record coming out under the name Three
1: Fish, and then you got here like, what is this? <laughs> uh, it it got changed to uh, Three Cents a couple of years later.
2: Yeah, that was one that was <laughs> often <laughs> available <laughs> in in the discount bins. Yeah, for sure. want any else uh other uh, bands that i'm missing
1: i have um I have by i've by far the, let's have a quick competition hold on okay well, uh, You're gonna win
3: this one
1: everybody get a slot
3: okay okay
1: put out i'm sure you all have ones that tim hasn't mentioned the most bizarre side project you can come up with from your list I will oh start with jack
0: is it Moist Boys <laughs> from like the guys? Is it just the guys from Ween? And uh, it's it's failing me right now. But yeah, I just, I remember coming across that uh, at one point because I was, at, once I discovered Chocolate and Cheese by Ween, I was kind of like, okay, let's go down this rabbit hole for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I came across that record at one point and was like, huh? Okay, yeah, this is a lot crazier and heavier. Um, but I can't, yeah, I can't remember who else was in that besides a member of me, but that's, that's one that I did have on my list.
1: Nice. Joe.
0: I don't think I have one for most bizarre. I have one <laughs> for most bizarre. Uh,
1: yeah, I have to get back on most bizarre. Okay. Tim, what do you got? You got anything?
2: Um, probably the most bizarre one would be, there is is a an, I, I'm not super familiar with it, but there's a band called Looper, which is, mm-hmm. um, Bell and Sebastian, uh, they uh, they basically took like the weird spoken word parts of their catalog and like turned it into entire band. I don't know how else to describe it, but hmm. it's it's the members of Looper or, or members of Bell and Sebastian doing this weird side project thing. Yeah, that's I I had not thought of the Moist Boys for a long time. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's spelled yeah, it spelled it was a Z,
0: right, right. yeah, it was um the basis from Queens of the Stone Age was in that,
1: oh, okay,
2: yeah. oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, there's some interesting lots of interesting drugs involved
1: members. then for <laughs> sure, so here's my
2: question. You're counting solo albums released at the time when a person is active in a band as a side project. So is Elliot Smith a side project with his solo records? Because he was in Heatmiser. Mm. Ooh. Because his early solo stuff, when he was in Heatmiser, is pretty stripped down and bare yep. bones. I think com- so. Compared to the more produced stuff on like EXO and and the later records. So.
1: I would say the the records released up until when Heat Miser officially breaks up are side yeah. projects.
2: Okay. Yeah. Elliot Smith, you're a side project.
1: So uh, for my most bizarre, it was bizarre at the time, and when I remembered it, I'm still in shock that it ever happened. Um, It's The Last Hard Men. Oh, yeah. Oh,
3: yes.
1: Jimmy Fleming from The Frogs, Kelly Deal from The Breeders. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Chamberlain from The Pumpkins, and Sebastian Bach from Skid Row.
2: Did they record
3: anything? They did. They Did did they, did they do a whole album? Or was it just like something from uh, the soundtrack?
1: They did a whole... I was just looking it up. I thought they had just done the soundtrack, but I looked it up and it looks like a record did come out in two... They recorded it in like 98, but it didn't come out until 2001.
0: It still counts. Yeah, the cover art looks like Green Jelly or something. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have never heard that. I am
2: fascinated to hear that now. We haven't mentioned Mad Season, but right. I feel like that band... It teeters the line of supergroup and side project because obviously you have Lane Staley, who's very well known. Um, you have Mike McCready, I guess, and he's Barrett a Martin, and yeah, I guess those are key mm-hmm. members of, of other. I mean, obviously, Mike McCready's is a you know, a key member of Pearl Jam, so I guess it's a super group as much as it is a side project, but it also kind of sounds like I mean, there are elements that sound like Alice in Chains, like I don't know you anything know. sounds like an Alice in Chains song, oh, for sure. So it's, it teaches the line between side project and, and,
1: yeah. Group. Yeah. And, and I do want to go back. I mentioned, uh, when I was, uh, earlier, I had said that uh, most of these records kind of sound like the bands that they came from. But I will say that when Brad Shame came out, it, uh, most folks were expecting it to sound like Pearl Jam, and it does not sound like Pearl Jam at all. It does sound like Satchel in some places, but, right. I didn't yeah. even know who Satchel was until years later. So, no, this okay. the
2: second record is much more conventional in terms of being a, a guitar rock record, which yeah. is interiors. It came out in ninety six. And I think that's what people were probably more expecting mm-hmm. with with the first record. One I wanted to mention was Portostatic, which is Mac from Super Chunk. That was his solo outlet. And then it turned into a full band after, I guess, a record or two, you know, much more stripped down, much different sound uh, than Super Chunk in terms of like using drum loops and and stuff like that. So I guess that would be a side project for him. And uh, since, you know, Super Chunk was always ongoing. For him. When did the first Jerry Cantrell record come out? Was Alice and Chains still together? I don't don't think so. Because that came out in the 90s. Well, they were,
1: I mean, they were technically together for several years. Yeah. Before Lane Staley died. Like, he was, like, MIA, but they were still technically a band.
0: Yeah, I can't remember if it came out after their their unplugged appearance or not. Because I remember... That being huge and every, um, like obviously, with Jar of Flies and then the Unplugged, it was like, oh man, they can really strip it down and be beautiful. Came
1: um, out came out in, in ninety eight. Oh, Boggy Depot was the first one. Yeah,
2: right. All right, here's one that has not come up, and I I'm again, this falls into the supergroup versus side projects. Neurotic Outsiders.
1: Yeah. To me, that's like uh, yeah. Imperial well, Drag or the Grays, because none of those bands were together, right?
2: Well, the- uh, no. Duran Duran, uh, Duran Duran were still together. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah, no, they were. Um, Duff McKagan was he still in Guns N' Roses at that point? I don't... Um, Matt Sorum was he still in Guns N' Roses at that point?
3: 95?
2: Ninety-five. Don't... Well, well,
3: technically, was been, he in yeah. the Cult? Had, hadn't split up yet.
1: No, he was in the call before Guns N' Roses.
3: Yeah, okay,
1: and uh, like, and way later.
3: Well, um, yeah, because technically, Guns N' Roses was still around as like those guys, but like what was that song they did for
2: um?
1: Oh, the spaghetti shoot. incident.
3: No, it was post-Spaghetti incident. It was for that... Um,
2: they did a movie for a, a Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. soundtrack. Movie. Yeah, yeah,
3: Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. That's what I'm trying to think of. it's a, It was a cover,
1: wasn't it? Oh, no, no, no. Um, no yeah, I, I,
0: I think it was Interview with a the Vampire. They did a cover. No, from... it was called yeah. Oh My
2: God. Oh, and wait. It, yeah. And it was on like... It was either on like Eraser or... Uh, it, oh, one of the those. Sixth Day end, or end of, something. End of Days. End of Days,
3: maybe. Yeah. So I think technically... Guns N' Roses hadn't split up, and like Axel hadn't gone his separate ways. Well, and also so.
2: we can't forget. So that album came out. They actually put out an album in 1996. Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols was in that band. The Sex yep. Pistols reunited in 1996. That's uh, when they went yeah, on that like uh, you know reunion tour. So yeah. technically, the Sex Pistols were re- reunited at that point. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. I've so, I've got one.
3: One other band we haven't mentioned yet that definitely falls in their side project, but, you know, again, for a guy who maybe wasn't necessarily well-known is now, not just for being in a couple different bands, but also for being a producer, uh, Adam Schleischinger, he had Fountains of Wayne, but also at the same time had Ivy. Oh yeah. Ivy's great. I forgot all yeah. about that one. Yeah, And there's a band, two bands that sound nothing alike, but I love both of them. So
2: for sure. Good choice. So let's pick, go around pick one band that you wish had released more material you know we like we we like to have these bands have at least one album what are there ones where you're like i wish i would have heard a second or a third record from an artist jim i'll start or from a side project i'll start with you jim
0: um well i I know this is again this is probably more in the 2000s but i'm still eager for another loose fur record um yeah because I mean, I, I know they had two, but <laughs> I, I just liked, especially the first one, but yeah, uh, I, really yeah. I really liked the collaboration between those three talents. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't mind hearing some more from Imperial Team because I remember picking up uh, their record Seasick and just kind of being in love with it at the time, because I loved that power pop sound, and it sounded nothing like Faith No More. And, um, you know, the rentals, sure, let's just throw them in there as well in the mix, because... Uh, I, I feel like they put out again, maybe in 2014, they might have put out a new record. Yeah, I, I still
2: haven't caught up
0: with it. I think I think it
2: was called like seven seconds or something like that, something in the title were there. But there was there was a record that came out in, in the late 2000s or something, Uh, but but got no like no coverage. So, Jay, what about you?
1: I'll go with the, the big one, Temple the Dog. I, I still feel sure. like that album holds up. Yeah so well um sure. every time whenever i go back to it i'm always surprised at just how good the songs are and um it's obviously even sadder now that you know there's no possibility with Chris Cornell gone they can't even do like reunion shows um so would have loved to have gotten you know kind of a mid to late 90s uh record out of them i think it would maybe when soundgarden was um you know kind of hitting their the vanilla period where they were having a lot of hits, but maybe not creatively as inspired, it would have been interesting to hear uh, him go back to this band maybe before he did his solo record.
2: Joe, any any particular bands that you would like to hear, um, like to have heard more material?
3: I would have, well, I'm going to say Mad Season, even though they did actually record more material without Lane Staley, but with uh, Mark Lingen from the Screaming Trees on Lee Vocals, which they put out on the anniversary issue of the uh, Mad Season album. That stuff, it was. It I think there's like six tracks from the second album they were working on that never got hmm. made. Uh, that stuff is fantastic. Um, and if you ever heard uh, Mike McCready put together like a live concert of... It's kind of like a little bit of uh, Temple of the Dog, a little bit of Mad Season stuff, and Cornell actually sang lead vocals and they had some other people from Seattle sing lead on some tracks. I forget the name of that record, but it's a great came out what, maybe three years ago? Yeah. But a great album. And I would love to have heard more music from the Grays too.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh one that I gotta word this right. The Twilight Singer's original vision for that band i would have liked to have heard (laughs) because there actually are songs that were recorded as the the three piece of happy and sean and greg that are pretty interesting and are only available in like a demo form thanks to the internet and the album that we got while it's interesting is definitely greg dooley's vision of what he wanted i understand he's a very controlling and and you know um You know, he wants it done his way sort of thing, which is fine. But I really wanted a record and, you know, a second record of those three equally contributing to a singular vision. And we never got that. And we never really got the first album that we thought we were going to get when we heard about it. Um, The other one is I would love to hear another Amps record, which is Mm. um, just that sort of stripped down lo-fi version of what was done on that record. I love like tip city and, and the, um, the sound of that record It's very jagged and, and, you know, the breeders at that point had gotten, you know, they were commercial. It was a big pop record, not pop record, but it was, a, it was a bigger sound than what the amps were. So I think another amps record would be cool. Just throw, you know, that's the kind of thing that now that could happen easily. Thanks to, you know, like a Pledge Music campaign or or something along those lines. And I'd love another Pigeonhead record, to be honest. I don't know if that's a side project or a super group or what the heck it is, but I'd really like one. (laughs) Speaking of, no,
0: go ahead. Sorry.
3: I was going to say, speaking of, like, I wanted to make this point earlier, but speaking of the amps being a side project out of side project, would you not also consider Belly the same thing?
2: Because you had well, Tanya yeah.
3: throw, throwing muses. She was on the first Breeders album. But and she then quit
2: then throwing belly. muses to form Belly, didn't she?
3: Uh, no, because she, she was on the first Breeders album, too. Uh, Yeah, she was.
2: Did the Belly album come out before or after the Breeders?
3: After. It was after the yeah. first Breeders album. But, I mean, in essence, that's, again, that's a tricky one.
2: Okay. So let's pick, since we're in the final... About 10 minutes here of the show. Our favorite, number one, all-time favorite side projects of the 90s. Joe, which is the one? Which is your Uh, favorite side project? Temple of the Dog. Okay. Jim?
0: With Temple of the Dog being a really strong runner-up, I have a huge fondness, and I'm a big fan of the band Yola Tango. And uh, the bass player... Put out a bunch of, I, I guess they're considered like you know his own home recordings, but again, to me it was always considered a side project. But his side project was called Dump. Oh. And uh, there's a record called A Plea for Tenderness that I go back to quite often because it's just, it's got that lo-fi, tango feel to it, but it, a lot of it does sound like yeah he just kind of did it on, you know on his own. In his own spare time, and it's just really, it's really su- sweet and intimate, and uh, another extension of that great band. So I, I, like, I keep going back to it a lot. So it's "Dump a Plea for Tenderness" is kind of one of my choices.
2: choices. Jay, what is your number one choice?
1: I will go with Brad. Shame. Um, I remember, you know, the when the news about when the record was being made, and then I didn't check it out for maybe a year or two after it came out. And it quickly found its way in a bargain bin. Um, and the reason I'm picking it is because it, it was more for my discovery of Sean Smith, who became a huge favorite of mine from that point forward. And one of those people that it took me years, because this is really pre-internet, to dig up who he was and what other bands he was in and sort of followed his career from that point forward. So um, I think that one had the biggest impact on me.
2: And I'm going to pick, Jay, a band that you mentioned, which is Golden Smog. Mm, Uh, Yeah. You know, that's that's one that I actually saw them live in concert. I was a huge fan of that whole alternative country sound in the in the 90s with Uncle Tupelo and Wilco and Sunvold and the Jayhawks. And um, that band to me was just a lot of fun. It is exactly what a side project would should be, which is. You do what you do, but you do it a little bit differently, and it's also a lot of fun. You know, when they made that first record, they actually made it under under pseudonyms, mm-hmm. so that they because yeah. they couldn't use their actual <laughs> names, uh, right. In yeah. making the record, because yeah. they're all on different record labels at that time, which is funny to think of now. Like they were all concerned about the record <laughs> labels, and um, but uh, it's just it it showcases all of their songwriting talents, but in unique ways, and they all combine in in unique and different ways, and. It's just a, a lot of fun and um I even like the second record a lot that they did. And the and the the first EP that they did is great too. Not just uh the album but their their first covers EP that they did with Dave Perner uh singing shooting star, cover of uh, Bad Company and there's some other great covers on there. So hmm. yeah. uh we're gonna we're gonna do a little bonus content if people wanna join us over at Patreon, we're gonna talk about uh, maybe some side projects that didn't happen but should have. So uh, we're gonna, you know, pontificate upon uh, our imagination. If you'd like to join us there, you can go to patreon.com forward slash dig me out for as little as a buck a month, and you will get access to our bonus content, which includes the first episode of Dig Me Out '80s, which was recently launched, and uh, we covered, uh, we re- or we revisited the 1980 album Nuclear Days by the Vapors. So you can go to Patreon to check that out as well as other bonus content and our upcoming third quarter giveaway, which we'll be announcing soon. And, of course, uh, if you like what you heard, all that kind of stuff, go to iTunes. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming back. Thank you guys for Where can people back. find you on the Internet?
3: You can find me at Sit and Spin with Joe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. Mostly, yeah, YouTube is the other big one. So.
2: Heard of it, heard of it, heard of YouTube. I think they're doing okay. Uh, Jim, thanks for, for coming on. and uh, oh, This was a blast, man.
0: I, I hope to return again, and yeah. uh, people can check me out yeah. at nowplayingnetwork.net, which hosts a lot of great uh, podcasts, including Vinyl Emergency, which yep. I'm assuming everybody's a fan of here. And yep. also... Uh, i now playing jim.com, which is got a lot of my music
2: on there. So check that awesome. out too. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
3: Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward
0: slash Dig Me Out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com. Where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.